Welcome to the Nonprofit Voice, which is brought to you by Nonprofit Pro, the go-to resource for nonprofit management and strategy. For our Nonprofit Voice text series, join Mark Becker, founding partner of Cathexis Partners and editorial advisory board member for Nonprofit Pro. In each episode, he will welcome nonprofit executives and technology partners to discuss the latest nonprofit tools to help your organization navigate the rapidly evolving technology landscape. This special episode features a technology provider that will be attending Bridge Tech, a new education day on August 2nd prior to the Bridge Conference in National Harbor, Maryland. For more information and to join Nonprofit Pro, DMAW, and AFPDC at Bridge Tech, visit bridgeconf.com. That's B-R-I-D-G-E-C-O-N-F.com. And add Bridge Tech to your Bridge Conference registration at checkout. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Mark Becker here, uh, founding partner of Cathexis Partners. Uh, today as another, I think I say this almost every session, but this is another uh, topic that I'm really excited about, uh, generative AI. Um, so let's jump right in and um, our two uh, guests. And Jim, you want to introduce yourself first? Absolutely. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. My name is James Kopp, and I am the Vice President of Philanthropy with the Edmonite Missions, uh, which is based in Selma, Alabama. Uh, the Edmonite Missions has been present within the Black Belt of the Deep South uh, since 1937. And we are the largest provider of educational, feeding and nutrition, workforce development uh, programs uh, for underrepresented communities uh, within the Black Belt of the Deep South. Excellent. Well, thanks for thanks for joining today. Thank you. And and France, you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Good morning, everyone. Mark, thank you for having uh, me on again. Uh, my name is France Hong. Uh, I have been long in the nonprofit space, both as a board member, as a fundraiser, as someone who started and run uh, nonprofit organizations. Um, but today, I'm here in the role as co-founder and co-CEO of Boodle AI. Uh, I like to joke we are doing AI before AI was cool. Um, but uh, most recently, we have uh, started moving into the generative AI space, building upon the great work that we've done in conjunction with many nonprofit uh, partners and customers over the years. Yeah, no, I, I love what you guys have been doing in the past and um, like seeing what um, you all are generating so far in this space. Um, you know, I've been getting the AI chalk. A daily digest of what's going on. Um, really good info. Do you all internally consider this at, at Boodle consider this like a pivot or a progression? Of it's, both. it's both. Yeah. It's both. It's progression in the sense that it builds upon uh, the technology we spent several years building, the data that uh, and insights that we've created. But it's a pivot in the sense that I think generative AI is a pivot for everybody in the sense of. I think it fundamentally changes how we interact with technology. And let me just kind of explain what I mean. You know, uh, one of the challenges of using a CRM, predictive analytics platform like Boodle, um, a fundraising platform is you've got to learn it, right? You've got to learn, you have a question in your mind as a fundraiser, and you got to figure out how to get the platform to give you the answer you want. Um, with generative AI, that relationship is flipped. Instead, you don't have to figure it out. You just ask a question. And it gives you an answer. Now, there's an art to prompting, as they say, uh, a generative AI platform to get you want. But I think all of us in the technology space, whether as a provider of technology or a user, really need to relook at our relationship with technology because I think this is going to fundamentally change the way we interact with it. I, I agree. Let's talk a little bit more about middle layer AI and 
LLM or large language models, if you can help kind of describe that a bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've all heard about uh, chat GPT. Um, you know, I was on a call recently um, with Jim where we were discussing this for the first time. And uh, at first glance, it seems like it's just another chat bot, right? We've had chat bots for years. There's been a lot of hype and promise around them until you actually use it and see that it's something a bit more, right? It's a chat bot on steroids. And most importantly, as the name suggests, it can generate things. So normal chat bots, you ask a question, it draws from a database and gives you an answer from what it already knows. The difference with large language models is that they can generate new content. And they do that because um, what they've done, uh, what these providers have done is they've taken a large amount of information. In the case of ChatGPT's provider, OpenAI, they literally took the entire internet and other data sources, fed it in. And what this allows, allows the large language model to do is predict what the next word should be based on the context of the question and the questions that came before it. So all of a sudden now we have the ability to have a conversation with something that feels a lot more human-like, has a lot more creativity, and is a lot more powerful in the right hands. Now, it has a number of pitfalls as well. And, uh, you, know, you know, Jim and I talked about those when we first uh, started, you know, not the least of which is how do we, how does one adopt this? Um, but I don't, Jim, if you want to jump in here, I, I mentioned your name a couple of times and I don't want to monopolize the conversation. I think one of the things that I'm always have been intrigued with in this profession is the relationship between the nonprofit sector and emerging technologies, right? Emerging technologies. We all know that right now, I think we're at a pivot point in institutional advancement generally is a general statement, but we're looking at some real challenges, especially with what I would call the contraction of the middle of the middle donor, right? So it puts increased pressure on chief fundraising officers in terms of donor acquisition and retention. If you look at historically our interaction with technology in the nonprofit sector, development officers tend to be very early adopters, okay? Very early adopters because they believe that those new and emerging technologies hold great promise, right? To solve very complex problems. And I think looking back, I think at least what we understand is that, in fact, they held very little promise, right? Very little promise. And so my, my the one I greatly reflect on is QR codes, right? So a technology that was used to allow Lockheed Martin to better, better assemble fighter aircraft, all of a sudden you could put this on a, uh, on a donor piece and they would scan it with their smartphones and uh, they would have a wonderful donor experience. And we know largely that QR codes is pretty much a tempest in a teapot, right? The other one was text-to-giving, right? The text-to-giving was going to revolutionize revolutionize fundraising, and it largely has. I mean, I think the last technological innovation, I think, that had a real heavy impact upon what we do is the telephone. Right? Um, so we tend to be early adopters. We're early adopters, and we're, early, we're very early disappointed in the adoption process. <laughs> So true. Um, I think with, and, and I'll let friends, I mean, I think this is what I'm trying to say is that I am very skeptical about technology in embracing technological platforms. This is different. This is very different because it is not so much a tool, but it, it it's very hard to describe what this is. It's a 
it is it is a it is almost an organism mm. that exists in a symbiotic relationship with the nonprofit. And that organism really feeds in terms of its ability to create on the universe of things, the internet, right? But it also can feed on, on your specific universe, right? Your specific institutional knowledge. And I'll let Francis talk about this, but it is it is something the like of which I have never seen. And it is one that I haven't early adopted anything. This is something that I'm that, that I'm seriously considering early adoption. Friends, I don't know if that made any sense, but that, yeah, that was, no, absolutely. So Jim just alluded to something really, really, really important. And if there's if there's one thing I would like you know the listeners of the podcast to take away, it's it's this distinction I'm about to make. So um, the GPTs we're seeing out there, the large language models, the Chat GPTs. Those are what we call foundation. They're built upon what we call foundation AIs. They're AIs that know a lot about a, a little bit about a lot of things, but they don't know anything about your own data, and they don't know anything about any particular industry. Right? They're general purpose AIs in that sense. They're already powerful. People are using them to create donor letters. They're using them to do some basic research, ask some basic questions. This, that's just the smallest, smallest tip of the iceberg where this technology really becomes powerful, right? Is when you take those foundation AIs and you turn them into what's called middle layer AIs. Now what's a middle layer AI? It's, an, it's a foundation AI that is then taught something, a lot of things about an industry, right? Of a problem to make it tailored to solve that problem or help that industry, say nonprofit fundraising. And then even on top of it is given access in a secure private, safe way, the proprietary data of an individual or an organization. And now you can do what Jim talked about. You can have a an AI that doesn't just generate a donor letter, but understands who your donors are, how you speak as an organization, and then generates tailored content. We've never had that before. And, and, and Franz, if I can jump in here, this yeah, is really this is really important. Like one of the great one of the things that I find fascinating, but also profoundly frightening about AI yeah. is that it learns, right? It learns, right? It looks it looks for patterns. It looks for, for both quantitative and qualitative patterns that it then can mimic and ape, right? So we talk about donor letters, right? That's what the, this sector seems to be focused on with AI is, well, it can create a donor letter, but it really isn't doesn't have your voice. What if you could feed this organism, this AI, your letters, your writing, all right? My writing is different than France's, different than yours, Mark. You could feed it your specific nuances in the way in which you communicate to donors. And that over time, this AI then can start learning how you speak specifically, not only to your donors, but how your voice changes when you speak to specific tiers of donors, right? This then eliminates the criticism that I've heard in this sector over, well, it writes nice letters, but they're generic. And it doesn't speak to the passion and heart of who we are as an organization. What happens if you could overcome that? Exactly. And it's learning, yeah. it's, it's learning is evolutionary, right? It's learning is iterative. So the more you feed it, the smarter it gets. Mm -hmm. this, this stuff's becoming fairly profound. Fairly profound. I love yeah. it. I, I love the fact that, Jim, you're the voice of the skeptic, but you're very excited about this. Um, <laughs> So well, it's, I'm, it's Mark, I'm uh, as I said, as I said to France, I'm 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 very excited, but I'm also frightened to death because I'm too young to be unemployed. 
And I think that's something that we've got <laughs> yeah. to consider in this. No, it's something we got to consider. Yeah. Sure. So let me, yeah, let me let me jump on that. So there's been a lot of concerns. I think you know, is generative AI going to replace us? Right? Is it going to replace us as fundraisers, as even as technology professionals, as you know, as, as knowledge workers? Um, now, look, you look, you go back a hundred years. And when the assembly line came out, right, did some people lose their jobs? Yes, absolutely, right. There's that, that was a, a, an industry, a technology inflection point. It was the automation of manual labor. We're seeing the automation to some extent of intellectual work. Um, but you know what you can't replace is human judgment. What you can't replace is you know uh, relationships. Um, Will Gen AI replace a person? It may replace, you know, if your job is to generate random copy, right? Then yeah, you're, you know, you're 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 in danger of having your job replaced, right? Um, if you're a skilled consultant who has 20 years of experience, AI is not going to replace you anytime soon. Here's the real question though, right? Who are you going to be replaced by? You're not going to be replaced by AI. You're going to be replaced by your colleague who has 20 years of experience and knows how to use generative AI and is 50% to 100% more efficient and effective than you are because they're leveraging their tech, that technology and their experience and expertise. And I think this is also important, Francis, that as there is increased emphasis from our donors in terms of how are we spending the money they give us, what I've seen in development offices is that we tend to grow like mushrooms, right? We add positions where we either perceive there are operational gaps or by adding those positions, we can create organizational efficiencies. And if this AI then can enable us to spend money in a way that drives deeper value for the organization by eliminating, the, eliminating those cost centers that no longer that we no longer need to embrace because we've, we've, we've now automated that process, I think is a net benefit to our donors. Well, so. I also think AI will create new job opportunities um, mm -hmm. and new ways, right? So, uh, you know, Jim and I talked about the opportunity, how now this is in the future, but not far in the future, right? Um, so one of the things that you can do with generative AI is integrate data from other sources. So what I mean by that? So Jim mentioned a little bit about this, feeding in all your prior donor letters as an organization into a generative AI platform and then having it right in your voice. But it doesn't have to be an organization. Jim could take his 30 years of templates and of writings and of content he created and then feed it into an AI and then ask it to generate content that set looks and sounds like his style, right? Or um, take a bunch of data and put it in a format that he thinks is best suited for an organization. And not only could he use that, he could share it with others, right? And so, you know, that that creates a whole new ability to leverage one's um, content that one has created, one's expertise, and as a multiplier, as as people who are knowledge workers, right? We we tend to rent our brains, right? Well, what if you can rent your brain without having to have your brain there be there, right? And so, I think we're in the early days of people finding ways to leverage AI to create value for others. And tell us more about what Boodle's doing to in this space. Yeah, Mark. So we, um, I, you know, and I gave Jim a sneak preview of this. So I'd love to hear his thoughts here in a moment. But um, we are building our own middle layer AI. So we are combining a foundation AI with over 
35 billion proprietary consumer and philanthropic insights about the entire US population, as well as the ability to integrate the organizational data um, that exists out there. So think donor databases, think you know contact lists, sales databases, and do it in a way that keeps that data safe and secure and private and wrap that in a platform that is easy for a development director or a sales professional or a marketing professional, or frankly, everyone from a grandkid to a grandparent to use. And so we're trying to make generative AI easy, useful, and frankly, fun, um, and then create both the middle layer AI and the platform to use it. So just, just a little thing. <laughs> just that's it, huh? That's just that's it. That's all. Normal Tuesday. All right. Yes. And and Jim, what do you what do you think about all this? What do you what do you think the potential is? Are you seeing yeah. for yourself and your organization? Yeah. I, when France first contacted me and asked me to kind of look at it and kick the tires, I was flattered, but I was to be frank skeptical. Um, and I think within twenty minutes of using it, I sent I think nine emails to his associate saying. You've got something here. You got something really profound here. And the more I used it, the more of an impression it made on me. Let me give you an example. Um, several years ago, I was a consultant. And I was working on a national project. I won't get into the specifics, but developing the case for support for that project was very difficult for a number of reasons. Um, and it took a team of three people about four months, smart people, besides myself, to write the case. And I asked it to write a case for support of that project. I asked it, I asked the platinum. And within 11 seconds, it came up with it. And what it wrote was better than what I had written. And I, and I found that to be shocking. I found it to be compelling. I found it to be disturbing. But then it started to impress upon me, okay, this is, I'm in stage one here. France called me up a couple of weeks later. He goes, I want you to take a look at this. It was an evolution of the platform. And again, I don't do this kind of pot. I don't do this kind of stuff often. But I genuinely believe that once this is fully developed and once development officers, which is more critical in the platform, figure out how to use this thing. This, this is, as I said earlier, the word, the two words is this is a game changer. It's a game changer for what we do in this profession. And I think it's going to it's going to impact too those strategic partners and vendors that we have a relationship with. I think it's going to make a lot of those relationships obsolete. To be very honest with you, especially in the marketing field. A yeah. Lot of okay. And so, what would your advice be to nonprofits? You know, as they start looking at what the potential is and incorporating AI into their their work or not. Yeah, don't, I, I, to three things. One is that don't, it's a very shiny thing, so don't get blinded by the shininess, right? Really ask yourself, what value does this have for the organization? Secondly, have a clear understanding of what it can and cannot do and what is the path of evolution on this technology so that you can begin to build out an application plan. And then thirdly, I think it's going to be very critical to use it regularly and have a clear scope of work for it. I said to France, this is great, but if people don't know how to use it, they're going to get overwhelmed with it because it's an overwhelming thing and it's scary. Mm -hmm. So understanding what it can do and how you can use that. It's a multi-tool. What are you going to use that multi-tool for? And then what value can it drive? 
And then that four things. Lastly, I think you need to evaluate the implications of it within your organization. Because your board members, your CEO is going to be highly skeptical of this, highly skeptical of this. So making sure that you educate them and bring them on board as well. This is a game changer. This this is a game changer. And Moodle's application of it, I said to France, who else is doing this? And not really anybody else is doing this to the level they are. This is a game changer. It's a game changer. I like it. France, I don't know how you follow that, but any other final thoughts or advice for nonprofits? Yeah, this isn't just advice for nonprofits. I think this is advice. This is the same advice I'm going to give my eight-year-old and my six-year-old, my three-year-old. <laughs> right? um, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, those were kind of the three R's, I think, when we were growing up. We're just old enough to have, you know, experience also the fourth R, research, right? So you didn't have to know things. You had to know how to go to the internet and, and get the answer, right? That's that's an important ability. We all know the value of Google. Um, I think there's a new skill set emerging for everybody, right? And that's the ability to basically ask the right question to get the right answer of an AI. And, our, you know, not that our kids aren't going to grow up learning how to do math, but once you learn to do math, then you, you're introduced to a calculator, right? And once you learn how to use a calculator, then you're introduced to Excel, right? And now beyond Excel, you're introduced to an AI. And those are all different schools, skill sets, right? Um, so not just as nonprofit professionals, but just as knowledge workers and as human beings, we are going to develop a relationship with this technology that requires us to develop this skill set of it's called prompt engineering, but really it's just asking good questions. I'm a recovering lawyer. So asking questions is kind of in my nature, right? Like the key to being a lawyer isn't giving the right answer. It's asking the right question. That's now a skill set we all need, right? And an artfully asked question of the right AI is going to generate, that's what's going to generate incredible value. And frankly, you know, what's that old phrase, right? Like give me what is it? Give me the right lever, and I can move the world. Move the world, right? Um, that's a saying from ancient times. I think the the current version of that is: give me the right AI and give me the right question, and I can change the world. All right. Well, on that note, I like it. Uh, we'll leave on that. There's an upcoming session at the Bridge Conference, which is the second through fourth of August. Um, Sean Olds, um, co-founder of Boodle, be speaking there uh, along with the client. So a lot more to learn. Um, really appreciate both of your time. Thank you so much for joining today. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us at Bridge Tech and for the next episode of The Nonprofit Voice. Listen to more episodes at nonprofitpro.com, as well as on Apple, Google, and Spotify.